Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy hour. Oh, now with extra pussy. Thanks to Chris LeBoy, who is literally grabbing his own pussy. Yep. Who is, who is that? He's hard up. That's Boots. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's I, Boots. Yep. Listen, you know what's happiness? Did you ever watch the moment of Maxine on the Joy Reid show? If you need more than a moment of Maxine Waters, this is the happy hour for you. That's Auntie right. Maxine. Oh, my God. I love her so much. Right? We just talked about everything. And then, but you know what? Here's how you come for Maxine Waters. Fucking don't. There. That's the no, best advice you'll not, ever get. Not a good idea. She has never not promoted violence. She talked about that again. She has always promoted uh, civil rights. She's been a civil rights icon since forever. In uh, every the race goes through every story we're dealing with right now, right? The uh, Capitol mm-hmm. riots, the which were white supremacists through the voter suppression efforts, uh, I, through all of these trials right on. I, I, it just, uh, I, I can't. It's just like an injection of, of just power, Maxine Waters. Yes. Okay. And it is followed by a Malcolm Nance chaser this week. You are going to feel so powerful. You're going to look at noted nerd Travis Bone over there with his, what is that, a Superman shirt today? That's yes. what you're going to, you are feeling empowered by, it's not just a happy hour. You're going to feel empowered by Maxine and Malcolm, right? We got, we got M&Ms, Maxine, Malcolm. What? Yes. And we are team Moderna. What? <laughs> what? What? Sorry, Pfizer snob. Not you. That's why I found you don't play around with the funky cold Moderna. What? Oh, Chris is fully vaxxed up. I'm this close to being fully vaxxed up. Oh, man. We are ready oh, yeah. to party. Uh, what, what's, what's, what's my little phrase? Feel free to spit in my mouth. Ah, don't. Ew. I, and I learned, well, <laughs> condom sales are way up. Con, I, I learned well, that yeah. this week, but I also learned That's that there, Chris. Are, there are apparently female <laughs> condoms. I was not aware. Being of the lesbian, being of the lesbianic variety, I did not know there were female condoms, which apparently is just a windsock that you shove up your cooch. Yeah, it, it's basically yeah. a trash can liner. Yeah, yeah. How dare you? Are you are you saying that you're like a, that? It's like a broomstick in a trash can. It is not. I am tight as a fucking cat's ass. A uh, hot dog down a hallway. No. Oh dear. This, this shit's tight, man, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh, Every really? day is going to be happy hour for me when I am fully vaccinated. All right. Listen, let's okay. enjoy enjoy Maxine and welcome. Yeah. I can't believe we introduced a congresswoman this way. Really, you people are just bad. Wow. Happy, happy hour. Uh, this is the only person, as you know, Travis, that I am not embarrassed to interview while wearing a T-shirt with a giant picture of her face on it. Yes. 
<laughs> because I am uh, an Uber fan, as you know, and not, and and as you know, this is not the only Maxine Waters T-shirt that I own. Last oh, week, when they came after her, I wore my "Don't Test the Waters" T-shirt. Today, I am wearing "Reclaiming My Time" because it is time to say good morning to Representative Maxine Waters of the great state of California. Good morning, Representative. Good morning, and I am so impressed with you wearing that "Reclaiming My Time" T-shirt. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not embarrassed to be a because you know I geek out every time I see you, and I've seen you a lot in my life. And I still freak out because I am just, you are a rock star. And thank you for being so fearless in the, it's particularly when they come after you and expect you to, you know, I, I loved your piece. You said, I'm not new to this. You have been a civil rights warrior <laughs> for years, right? I mean, it just, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Thank you so very much for, you know, your support and understanding it. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, naysayers and haters and all but that does not deter me from doing what I need to do in order to try and bring about, you know, respect and justice for everybody. Well, that's, you, my, you, that's my mission. You said it best, uh, Representative, on Twitter. You said, if we take a knee, they're mad. If we speak up like I do, they're mad. If we protest like Martin Luther King Jr. taught us to do, they're mad. What is it they expect us to do when police keep killing us? And yeah. I yeah. mean, the thing that you focus, you know, that they focused on, here's, you wrote about it in your piece. They asked you, before the Chauvin verdict came out, what if we don't get a guilty verdict? What should protesters do? And you simply responded, we got to stay on the street. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. You said confronting injustice has been my life's work. You said you you never incited violence. You never never meant that, go be violent, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure uh, that, you know, the people who attacked me, have no understanding uh, or appreciation for the civil rights movement. But Martin Luther King created something called the C Project. The C Project was a project about confrontation. What is meant by confrontation? He didn't say violent confrontation. It was about sit-in. It's about Mm -hmm. marching. It's about boycotting. It's about confronting injustice in a way that will get people to pay attention and hopefully to understand what you're saying, what you're struggling for, and why you are, you know, in the, you know, why you are taking time out uh, to let everybody know what you believe is wrong with the justice system. And so I feel very comfortable with that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, anyone that knows you and you're history of of you know as a civil rights leader knows that you 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 have never promoted violence let me let me tell you let me tell you how you and i go back because in your piece (laughs) i don't know if you know this but uh but in your you referenced uh daryl gates so i used to have an evening show on kfi radio here in los angeles guess who they fired so that i could get that that uh slot (laughs) daryl gates they fired daryl gates to hire me No, he had that slot? Yes. 7 to 9 p.m. on KFI. So I remember this, Representative. You said, I'm sure there are many in Los Angeles who remember my confrontations with Daryl Gates, who was at the time the police chief. You said, I challenged Gates on his department's use of the chokehold that killed far too many. I challenged him on his department's use of the battering ram and, of course, the brutal police beating of Rodney King. I remember all that. because Wow. Wow. Well, that's, that's really where I got started here in L.A. when 
I don't know if you remember the woman, Eula Love, that got killed. Yeah. Eula Love was on her front porch, and she couldn't, she couldn't afford to pay her uh, gas bill. And so the gas company, I guess in those days, called the police because she had a knife that she was, uh, you know, basically wavering at them. And they came out. They killed her in front of her daughters. And Daryl Gates, of course, supported uh, what the police had done. And I organized a bunch of women, and we got started uh, to deal with Daryl Gates. And that led me into confronting him on all kinds of issues related to targeting of uh, particularly young black males where they would make them lie on the ground, spread eagle in their best clothes. It did not matter uh, where, uh, you know, again, uh, well, there were any number of men who died from the chokehold. And he said it was something wrong with the cartoon muscle in black people. That's what caused them to die. I mean, yeah. it's awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yes, I remember I've the... The program director said he took Daryl Gates to dinner to fire him because he was scared because he was a scary dude. <laughs> oh my God! But, but yeah, but you know, Going it's back a long way. But yeah. exactly, but Representative it reminds me of why we need to pass the George Floyd Policing Act. Because That's this right. stuff is still going on. You were talking about chokeholds and things killing people back then, and and That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so we do have the act, and supposedly it's being negotiated informally supposedly moving into more formalized negotiations any day now uh, with some of the same issues, that, as you said, the chokehold in particular uh, that I have been working on for years. And uh, I'm just hopeful that it doesn't get watered down and so compromised that it is not doing what we needed to do. Uh, the Republicans don't want to do anything. Uh, they're being forced uh, because of the attention of the uh, George Floyd murder and so uh, they feel like they they want to they have to do something, but they don't want to really uh, deal with discontinuing the chokehold or the no knock law or the uh, qualified immunity uh, that we have in the bill. So let's see what they final offer is and what they're going to come up with. Yeah. I'm just hopeful uh, that they will you know do better and yeah. that they will understand. The situation we're in in this country, it is not good yeah. uh, to continue to have these killings. And so well, I, we, I, we can't I, get through yeah. one trial without being in the middle of another funeral and, and on and on and on. That's right. It keeps going on. I was there. Uh, little Dante Wright uh, was killed 20 years old. And then on top of that, the North Carolina uh, man that was just shot down and some of these shootings are in the back. And I don't. I don't get it. I just don't. Yeah, Rep- I'm not going to stop, Stephanie. I have to keep fighting for justice. You better not. You better not. I <laughs> listen. I well, you know, I made the mistake of they asked me, "Would you like to come speak uh, with Maxine at a, it was a church, I believe, in uh, your, right. your district?" That's yeah, right. and I but they, they didn't tell me it was going to be after you spoke. And so, good luck to anybody that <laughs> says yes to that because that was humiliating. Well, thank you, thank you for <laughs> giving time to these issues. It's so important uh, to have some outlets and people who care enough uh, to allocate time to those of us who are, you know, doing what maybe is considered controversial, but uh, we have to do it. Well, it's exhausting. As you said, it's our, you tweeted, it's our unfortunate reality that driving while black, running while black, walking while black, bird watching while black, and quite frankly, doing anything that any other person could do, but doing it while black too often ends in death. And it, it, it's, 
an exhausting cycle. Let, let, can I ask you about Representative Tim Scott? Because I know he's, I guess, on the Senator. Republican uh, Senator. I'm Senator. sorry, Senator who is on their side, of course, working on the, you know, trying. I, I guess trying to get something done. I want to get your reaction to this. He was going on from his comments the other night. I have. I personally understand the the pain of being stopped 18 times driving while black. I also have seen the, the beauty of when officers go door to door with me on Christmas morning delivering presents to, to, to kids in the most underserved communities. So I, I think I bring a, an equilibrium to the conversation. One of the reasons why I'm hopeful is because in a way this time, my friends on the left aren't looking for the issue, they're looking for a solution. It just, okay. I mean, maybe we're into semantics now. Are we a racist country or do we have a racist history? But how he can in one breath admit he's been stopped 18 times or seven times in one year, even as a senator, and and, and try to say there there's no such thing as racism or whatever his point is, I don't really get. Do you? He contradicts himself. And I think what he's trying to do is uh, he's trying to, um, you know, walk this line of saying he understands, but at the same time, he is a Republican, uh, and he is a conservative Republican, and he's not going to, uh, you know, get them angry at him. He, he is more concerned about being, uh, you know, accepted uh, and liked uh, by the Republicans than he is by absolutely admitting the racism uh, that is so prevalent in this country. Uh, that's causing uh, the deaths of so many innocent, unarmed people. It's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, I always wonder about him and those who act the way that he's acting, an African-American man who will admit that he's been stopped because of the color of his skin that many times and still, you know, hang on to the Republican philosophy. And I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Sometimes I think it's out of fear, it's lack of respect for oneself and community, but it is puzzling. It is absolutely puzzling uh, that he could, you know, be in that space and, uh, you know, conclude that there's no racism. Well, even in his response to the president's speech, he said, you know, I went from cotton to Congress. I mean, isn't that saying my ancestors, right? My ancestors were owned by white people, but we don't live in a racist country. I mean, I think it is semantics. He said, oh, I'm glad the president agreed with me. America isn't a racist country. But as the vice president said, we certainly have to confront our history of racism. Right. I mean, I, I don't care how you put it. Right. I mean, yeah, well, that uh, that kind of talk is the kind of talk that's acceptable uh, to the people that he's aligned himself with, you know, uh, you know, talking about, you know, going from cotton to Congress and that kind of uh, uh, language, uh, you know, it's okay with them. And so I think that he is not a free, you know, person that he is being counseled and he is being watched and he's been talked to with. I don't know. It, like I said, it's puzzling uh, that he could present himself that way, but he does. And so uh, we recognize that's a problem. So I, I got to get your take on this last story. Mitch McConnell goes uh, cancel culture on slavery history in a fiery letter to the education secretary. 
He, um, right. So he fired off a letter to the education sector demanding that federal grants not be given to schools developing updated civics and history curriculum, which he claimed would present a revisionist view of the nation's past. He's particularly incensed about changes that would include perspectives of the 1619 projects, which he said would introduce divisive, radical, and historically dubious buzzwords and propaganda into education. Um, as you know, the 1619 Projects addresses a massive void in colonial history education by examining the arrival of the first slave ship in 1619 is critical to America's founding as well as to the nation's economy, wars, and racism. Um, he's, Mitch McConnell said Americans do not want or need their tax dollars diverted for promoting the principles that unite our nation toward promoting radical ideologies meant to divide us. Well, it just seems like it's the truthful history of the United States. How is that divisive? Right. Well, the thing about it, until we confront it, until we deal with it, and until we, uh, you know, admit and acknowledge, uh, I think it's going to be a problem. He is talking racist talk. I mean, and for him uh, to deny the history, you know, of this country uh, and the role that, you know, white supremacists have played and how it is systemic. It's in our laws. It's in our procedures, etc. Uh, you know, he. I have to tell you this, and this is going to be controversial. He is a racist. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's. It, there's no other way to. It's whitewashing slavery. That's what it's doing. It, it's you know. Yes, yes, yes. And he uh, uses the power of his office to pursue uh, that kind of uh, uh, rejection of the truth and not wanting education to play any role in helping to unveil uh, the truth of the history of this country that I think would be helpful to everybody. Yeah. Um, Representative, before you go, H.R. 1, I mean, it seems to me there is no other issue. There aren't any other issues if we don't get voting rights, you know, particularly in the face of all these egregious voter suppression laws. What, what are, what's your take on whether we're going to be able to get that done? Well, you know, uh, these voter suppression laws that's popping up in so many states are an attempt to take us backwards. It's poll tax by another name. Uh, it is, you know, counting the jelly beans in a jar before you can register to vote. Uh, and so it is unseemly uh, that they would have the audacity to brazenly uh, deny, you know, real participation in this democracy uh, by, you know, people of color, uh, et cetera. But that brazenness is the kind of confrontation uh, that uh, everybody should be concerned about. Black people are not going to recede and go back and uh, somehow uh, not fight this system uh, and not uh, take advantage of the Constitution of the United States uh, that says we have a right to vote. Uh, and who supports that, uh, you know, based on the history of this country and how the Constitution was strengthened in order to deal with the fact that we were excluded. And so, I mean, we're not going to sit idly by and just allow it to happen. They may have the vote, uh, but we will protest. We will organize. We will boycott. We will do what is necessary. Yep. Listen, you march yeah. beside me in the gay right in the gay uh, pride parade here in West Hollywood. I will march beside yeah. you proudly, always <laughs> defend you from your right wing detractors. I've made many mistakes, uh, agreeing to speak after you at a church, uh, challenging you to a dance off at my house. I, 
One of my mistakes. I want to tell you, I'll be glad when (laughs) COVID-19 is conquered because I want you to have another one of those beautiful, wonderful gatherings that you have at that wonderful home of yours. It is a great house in a great location, and I just love being there on more than one occasion. My favorite picture is you and me and Lily Tomlin and Jane Wagner, you know, knocking back. I'm going to say a couple. (laughs) Yes. Couple. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get a third Maxine Waters T-shirt, and uh, you keep on keeping on for us. Thank you, Representative. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you so much. Uh, you Thank too. You. Always an honor. All right, there she goes. Bye, Auntie Maxine. Yay, Auntie Maxine. We did it. She's recovering in time. Seriously, the only person I interviewed with a picture of her face on my T-shirt. I'm just like, I don't care. I love her so much. I mean, I have I Stand With Shift T-shirts, but his face is not on them when I interview him. Yes. Okay. Come on, fire it up. Ready to go. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Malcolm, I have ordered America to line up uh, in orderly fashion and kiss your ass one at a time. Uh, now, your thoughts <laughs> on pretty much everything you've said and written in all of your books just being proven one by one to be true. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, as much as I would like to enjoy thinking that I'm going to get some credit someday, <laughs> I, I just give up. You know, I'll wait for my next book to validate everything that uh, that I that I said is true. You know, um, and it's not a very hard game. A lot of people go, Malcolm, how are you so Nostradamusy? Well, it's it's quite <laughs> simple. Um, it's quite simple, really. One, don't delve into conspiracy theory, and two, just listen to what they say. And we know the the with this um in this uh, memo that's going to be released about Bill Barr that he lied. He lied to the whole country. I knew it two minutes after the memo was read and um, I got punished for it, you yeah. might recall. Yes, uh, Being yes. told that the bar memo said he was not, uh, no conspiracy, no collusion, nothing. No obstruction. And uh, there were, you know, uh, there were people who said that critics should be pulled off of the air. The Trump administration themselves sent a letter demanding yeah. critics be pulled off of air. Years later, we're proven right yeah. again. Yeah. Well, for those people who don't, don't know, just Malcolm, if you're just tuning in, the federal judge ordered the Justice Department to turn over an internal memo. Uh, then Attorney General Barr cited as justification for clearing Trump of obstructing justice. Um, Barr said at the time he had come to his decision in consultation with the Office of Legal Counsel Um, but did not publicize the OLC's memo. So that's what we're waiting for. Uh, Judge Amy Berman Jackson said the unreleased OLC memo that Barr used to clear Trump of obstruction actually contradicts his claim that the decision to charge the president was under his purview because the special counsel, Bob Mueller, did not resolve the question of whether the evidence would support a prosecution. Um, 
she said the Olsen's memo calls into question the accuracy of Barr's March 24th representation to Congress. That's a crime. It raises serious mm-hmm. questions about how the Department of Justice could make this series of representations to a court. Another crime. Jackson pointed out that Mueller himself criticized Barr's handling of the public release of the report and his description of the special counsel's conclusions. What remains at issue today is a memo to the uh, attorney general dated March 24, 2019, specifically addresses the subject matter of the letter transmitted to Congress. She said it is time for the public to see that, too. Well, you know, Malcolm, it seems like the whole crux of this thing is, as the judge said, he'd already made up his mind they weren't going to charge Trump with anything. He was not, it right. was not under purview or this or that, right? Mm-hmm. They went this, backwards this mem- from that. Trump is guilty of nothing. This memo, when right. it gets released, is just going to prove something we all know. Bill Barr is a liar. Right. Not only is Bill Barr a liar, he used the Justice Department to cover directly for Donald Trump. And then he got the Justice Department's own lawyers to commit perjury against the judge by lying. And now she has read the memo. And the first thing she says is, essentially, you lied to me, right? And this wasn't, by the way, the Biden administration Justice Department. This is the Trump Justice Department. So as we've been saying for years now, here is where Bill Barr should be stripped and disbarred, right? At a minimum. And should be brought to account for committing these crimes of lying, not just to the American people, but lying in defense of the president to this judge, and it's all connected, isn't it, to this Giuliani thing? Again, Trump's Justice Department. I mean, you know, yeah, they must they did the most, best they could to slow walk it and whatever, but they couldn't stop, whether it's Gates or Giuliani. There is a lot of there there. And I was saying earlier, uh, this feels a lot like it's the trajectory of Michael Cohen, doesn't it? Um, as a federal investigation into Giuliani escalates, his advisors have been pressing aides to Trump to reach into the $250 million war chest to pay Giuliani for efforts to overturn the election. Um, another <laughs> bunch of illegal things Giuliani was involved in after all that. But anyway, um, Giuliani sent an email to Trump campaign officials. You remember seeking, seeking $20,000 a day for his work during that time. Trump told his advisors he didn't want Giuliani to receive any payment. Um, Giuliani's advisors were disappointed he didn't receive a federal pardon from Trump. I mean, I don't know, Malcolm, but it seems to me like we're getting set up for him to do the same thing Michael Cohen did. What do you think? Well, I mean, he can try. Michael Cohen was on air just the other day saying that, in fact, this will not none of this will help Giuliani. I think um, and I think it was Cash Patel who said that Giuliani's own statements about what um, what the FBI told him and didn't tell him by not giving him a counterintelligence briefing, meant that at that time, Giuliani was already deeply under FBI investigation. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't want to tell him anything about Russian counterintelligence, uh, Russian intelligence coming after him, because they already knew he was working in league with Moscow. Yeah. And that would have tipped him off to the crimes that he was committing. I mean, look, Here's what's going to happen that's not going to happen or that didn't happen to Michael Cohen. And, you know, I would love to go back on Michael Cohen's podcast and discuss this. I don't know if he's ever come on your show, but huh, um, Travis, get on it. I'll work on that. <laughs> I can send them over to you. Oh, buddy. yeah. Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. But uh, Michael Cohen paid off hookers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, he and when they went after Michael Cohen, they went through all of his paperwork with a uh, special prosecutor 
uh, that went through and determined what was related to attorney-client privilege and what was not. And very little did not occur, was not attorney-client privilege. You know, Giuliani and Trump had this, I say this once before, I say it a thousand times, they had a masters of the universe attitude. Arrogance. That they were untouchable. Yep. And that once in the presidency, no one could ever do anything to them, and they would rig the system so that they would never be brought to account. And like I said to you last November, the day after the election, it's all going to come out, yes. and it is all coming out. Yep. The thing is, these little releases will create this landslide. You know, there was a bet going on the other day online of how long would it be before Giuliani is formally indicted yeah. by the Justice Department? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in for two weeks, but I like it fast. Oh. Other people are saying a matter of months. But look, I like it. I like it nice and I like it nice and rough. I like that part of the uh, proud Mary. I'm with you. (laughs) I don't ever, ever, ever do anything nice and slow. I agree with you. Now, let's talk about uh, speaking of this Mueller stuff. So um, these (laughs) what else? Um, I guess text, all this stuff has been released. As you say, Malcolm, it's all going to come out. I don't know when we're going to see the unredacted Mueller report, but I hope that happens as well, because there's so much we were saying is going to come out. You know, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then I'll. Yeah, but if the Mueller report comes out unredacted, all that's going to do is prove that we already knew what we already knew. And the, what we did find out from the previous releases and the, uh, you know, the Senate Intelligence Committee report was no counterintelligence investigation was actually carried out against Donald Trump. That's Donald Trump's financial, personal and potentially espionage relationship with Moscow was ever conducted. Because it was not done within the, it was literally carved out of Mueller's purview. So all those things that we were all preparing for, which was to find evidence of Donald Trump doing horrible things, uh, those things aren't going to be found right away. Unless, of course, the investigation under Mueller touched on them and then steered away from them to where a current, you know, a, a current investigation would find those links. Yeah. So. You know, but, you know, Trump isn't just, you know, Trump isn't the kind of guy to be doing treason with a contract, as some pundits have said, you know, that he was actually in league with Moscow, signed a contract, all that stuff. No, no, no. Money is going to be doing the talking about any crimes Donald Trump has done. So that is potentially what we can really find out in the Mueller report is those things which were oblique to the obstruction of justice, which may have had financial relationships. Yeah. Um, and all of these models have some karma coming. <laughs> OMG, I am using a new skincare system that I absolutely love. People say puffiness and bags under the eyes are the hardest things to get rid of. Until now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Due to new technology, Genucel is an incredibly powerful natural serum, and with its instant effects, it's guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's right. Users saw results in only 12 hours with dramatic improvement in two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance 
appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, GenuCell uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity and brilliant long-term results. You can try GenuCell right now absolutely risk-free. Go to lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. Enter that special promo code Stephanie for an extra 10% off. Order now and get the legendary GenuCell XV face cream absolutely free just for trying GenuCell today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results, or your money back. That's lovegenucell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. So when the Obama administration announced its intent to enforce sanctions on Russia for interfering in the 2016 election, Mike Flynn received a text message from a mystery sender that included a link to the New York Times article, U.S. punishes Russia for election hacking, etc. In response, Flynn wrote, time for a call. The unknown recipient wrote, yes, KT on with Bossert, meaning Tom Bossert, Trump's homeland security mm, advisor. Right. Flynn wrote back, okay, uh, tit for tat with Russia, not good. Russia ambassador reaching out to me today. I mean, it's just more evidence of all the stuff that we knew, right? That, that we already mm-hmm. knew, but now we're seeing hard copies, right? Right, and that KT's KT McFarland. Yeah. Yeah, uh, who for a long time they speculated may have been the linchpin to this. But, you know, that goes back to Flynn's lying to the FBI, which they've managed to muddy the waters quite well over the last few years, right? But here it is, paperwork. And we always knew there was going to be emails. We always knew there are phone calls. We should demand that the phone call between Flynn and the Russians be released. Yeah. Talk to right? us about in its the, original Russian. Talk to us about this second Steele dossier because you know Christopher Steele, uh, obviously, is a fellow ex spy. And it, I mean, the fact that there's another dossier—that's how much they trusted the information in the first dossier, which none of which has ever been debunked, right? So they not only did they keep working with him after Trump was president because because of obviously they, they you know some stuff was verified. So talk to us about this sure. second Steele. It's more of the same, right? More. Yeah, you know, I, I had a pleasant lunch with Chris Steele a couple of years ago before per, the pandemic broke out. And, you know, we had a long talk about his methodologies and strategies that only, you know, a couple of ex-spies having a nice tea could, could, uh, could discuss. And we had a raucously hilarious time. I mean, the man is very funny. And uh, but more importantly, that guy is wired in to Russia. Mm. And, you know, he collected what we call rumor, rumor intelligence right but you know often rumen which is what you would the kind of intelligence you would collect at a party right or mm-hmm. at a bar these things come true case in point uh the australian diplomat who had a dinner with an american citizen uh you know uh, uh george papadopoulos and heard this story overheard this story about trump working with the russians right That all turned out to be true. But if we had gotten that secondhand from the government of Australia, not firsthand, that would be the kind of rumor intelligence Christopher Steele was collecting. He had deep fingers. And there were a lot of people that appeared to want to talk about Trump, more than the crafted report that he gave to the FBI. And that would be all the secondary, tertiary, and uh, quadrennial type of intelligence that he would get in rumor, which he could not cross-correlate and not cross-reference. The point is, we have the government agencies and resources that can cross-reference all of that information. And I suspect there will be be, um, law entities like the state of New York and the Southern District of New York that may take a second look at that information should it cross their transom. 
Yeah. Well, as you mm. as because apparently there's more sex <coughs> tapes. As you always said, he should just admit to the P tape because there's a lot worse stuff in there. But okay. cop to the hookers. Uh, he ran the he ran the Russia desk for MI6. Of course, he has verifiable information and it's, sources. Oh my God. Anyway. Uh, all right, I saved this one for you. Right-wing extremists who, fu- who uh, fueled the January 6th insurrection may be regrouping and gathering strength despite the arrest of more than uh, 450 suspects. <clears throat> Experts who monitor domestic extremism, that would be you, um, warned that extremist groups are fragmenting and growing angrier and losing their means of public communication, but they're um, reseeding themselves in a way that will likely sprout in new waves of violence. The less organized they are, the, one, the more dangerous they are, said one expert. The FBI can infiltrate organizations like the Oath Keepers or Proud Boys, but rogue members are harder to identify and monitor the lone wolves that are nearly impossible to spot before they act. Um, another reason why there has got to be consequences and soon for January 6th, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I literally, as we were coming on air, uh, I was writing this section of the book uh, of my new book on right wing extremism about lone wolves and their, you know, lone wolves, known wolves. And these these young guys who most of the attacks in the Trump era were individuals. There was no organized activity. And these guys who were in militias um, give them some of the structure and framework and fun of going out and shooting guns and dressing in camouflage. But virtually every one of the attacks was a lone wolf attack. I don't even like using lone wolf, right? I like using lone incel or or whatever, you know, lone extremist attack. Um, But even more interesting is the fact that they radicalize precisely like members of ISIS radicalize. Online, watching these hundreds and hundreds of videos of tactical shooting and learning how to, you know, reconfigure your AR-15 and watching, you know, Joe Rogan go out there and act as an apologist for insurrectionists. And they are self-radicalized. And then they form with these other people. You know, Timothy McVeigh and Terry and uh, Nichols, the two people who carried out the Oklahoma City bombing, they had actually been living and working with the Michigan militia in the run-up to the Oklahoma City attack. And then they left went off and did their own thing alone. It is very hard to go after an individual and get what's going on in his mind. Um, It's easier to infiltrate a a group or a cell or a militia. But right now, we've got to roll up everybody who took part in the Capitol attack so that we can show there are consequences. The consequence they hate the most, Stephanie, is taking their guns forever. When you're a convicted felon, you lose your right to own firearms forever. Yeah. It's the worst thing that could happen to them. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, I just lo- I would love that. Mm-hmm. It, that the, it could be at the end of every trial. We just get in their face and go, now we're taking your guns. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's okay. mean. I like it. Um, I like when you celebrate our ladies of uh, MSNBC um, on the uh, Tucker Carlson Joy Reid monologue. You said, hello, police. Oh my God. Police, I'd like to report a murder. I don't mean to name drop, but oh Joy, Joy just texted me back this morning because I texted her. I said, oh, holy, that Tucker monologue was hilarious, you know, for a Harvard race, race lady. And she said, haha, it was almost too much fun. <laughs> she just destroyed him. him, destroyed him murderized oh i felt bad at one point when she called him tuckums <laughs> and fish sticks for everybody <laughs> i'm not sure he's ever going to get an erection again <laughs> i gotta tell you speaking of fish though, sticks i don't back. think right huh sorry she held back yeah she could have yeah. gone after him for his bow ties but she didn't 
But she made so a, that was nice. She also made a great point that, uh, that is quoted here that Tucker Carlson is making America worse. People like you and your friends at the BS factory are keeping us steeped in covid sickness and rage and paranoia. And it, it really there is a part that is really not funny. Her monologue was hilarious, but she made some amazing points. And uh, also, you gave a shout out and, to and, Tiffany Cross, who was talking about Tim mm-hmm. Scott and said, don't argue with people Harriet Tubman would have left behind. <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. But more importantly, I, I'm sorry I got a diversion from that, yes. all this shouting for deliciousness. Tucker yeah. Carlson went full QAnon this week, too. <sighs> uh, you know, he was talking about he will not recognize the government of Joe Biden. He'll call it mm. the White House or the Kamala Harris. This is all their belief that Joe Biden doesn't is either dead or is a clone or is demented. They are no longer dog whistling to these people. They are bullhorning it. I, I feel like I, I'm going all to for the First Amendment. More and more dangerous. Yeah, I'm all for the First Amendment, Malcolm. I, I Tucker in particular is very close to fire in a crowded theater, in my opinion, mm. in terms of you know just dangerous medical misinformation, incitement to violence, of uh, you name it. But. Uh, anyway, yeah. Tuckums. I'm sorry, we call him Tuckums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Tuckums. Oh my God. Great stuff. We need you on that wall, sir. Thanks for uh, thanks for engaging in the shadow for right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye bye. Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks.